Went to more Woolies on the weekend. God, that's an experience. Oh, here we go. Another man of the people story. Oh, man. You know, the number of different cheeses, it's just right out there. I went to pack and save Petoni. Like the different types of cheese, and they've got the full wheels of cheese as well. Taylor, two weekends. Like these things are as big as your torso. Who needs that much cheese? Not my torso. Who needs that much cheese? What's going on? Probably people with your size torso. <laughs> Grant Robertson would be a much bigger threat to Lamingtons than Lamingtons would be a threat to Grant Robertson. Enough is slushing! I wonder whether or not anyone ever asked Barack Obama and John Key if they met because they were of similar age. High taxing, big spending, big government. Okay, Boomer. National will get New Zealand back on track. New Zealand is the greatest little country in the world. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Iron Duke Podcast, your weekly recap of all things policy, politics, where we take you through our peaks and our pits, interesting bits, and anything that fits. I'm Byron Terrace, and I'm joined (laughs) by senior consultant Maddie Burgess-Smith. Kia ora, Byron. It is great to be back for another episode of the Iron Duke Podcast with you. This week, you're going to take us through your peaks and pits of the campaign trail. I'm going to talk a little bit about tourism, as well as what the heck is confidence in support. Apply. And then, new segment, we're going to run you through our Policy of the Week. Policy of the Week. Kick us off, Byron. What's your peak of the campaign trail? The peak of the campaign trail is how much scrutiny our political leaders are actually facing right now. I think journalists are really stepping up to the plate this year, asking really tough questions, making the two leaders squirm, making the leaders of the minor parties squirm, and making sure that New Zealanders get a really good look at who is going to run the country come October 14th. The reason I think this is a peak is because the media's been having a hard time over the last few years. Think about Through COVID, it's being accused of kind of bias of one way or the other. You've got all these kind of weird, the media party story, you know, taking money from the government, all of that mistrust in media. But actually, during the campaign is when the journalists shine. I've got a couple of examples that I want to talk about. Firstly, Chris Hipkins, there he is in Johnsonville, outside the mall. Oh, yeah, the Jayville Mall, (laughs) the beating heart of the Ohio electorate. He's there with Greg O'Connor, the man who had to get his Twitter account taken off him because he's just completely unintelligible. And the second question the media pack asks Hipkin was absolutely punishing. It was essentially... Prime Minister, you've been here for five minutes. You did sign waving for maybe two minutes of that and you're leaving to go back to Wellington. Is your heart really in this campaign? It was an absolute shot to the heart. It was like, here we go. He's under the pump from question two. I was really impressed that he kind of managed to fluff his way out of it and show some spice, but it just shows the media doing their job. And the second one for me was Chris Luxon's Q&A interview. Jack Tame. Having a good slapdown of the leader, you know, you've got Luxon saying with his $16 million worth of property portfolio that, ah, oh, if we just re- reintroduce interest deductibility, we'll all lower the rents and landlords will be happy again and tenants will be happy again and there'll be this wonderful la-la land. And Jack Tame just hits him with, so will you reduce your rent on and your tenants? And it was relentless. You it should was. go watch it. He just got, he went for hit after hit after, after hit. goddamn hit. And Luxon just wasn't answering the question. You know, he got, but it's not about that, Jack. No, but, no, you've, but, see, but you've, see, you've said that your yeah. settings are going to lead to I know, lower rents. Talk about my properties. Every no, time it's we a simple question. Yeah, I know. Well, it's, it's pretty simple, reasonable, um, isn't it? I mean, you've got multiple investment properties. Well, so will you be lowering your rent? Uh, it's not about me, Jack. I don't know. I haven't thought that through, and I'm not thinking that through. But if it's downward, I mean, why would you not think it through? I mean, you've obviously thought through everything that leads to. 
downward pressure. No, what I'm, what I'm, I, I, just let's zoom out a little bit. We have a house. He just didn't stop. Exactly. And uh, honourable mention goes to Jenna Lynch with an absolute takedown of how Luxon is avoiding any questions around the National Party's tax plan. He makes sure to have kind of these get out of jail cards with that's enough of that, let's hear from such and such other journalist. That's enough of that, let's do something else, anything else, I'm going to dress up as a pirate. So in summary, I'm really impressed at the way the media is handling this election campaign and I cannot wait for the debates. Maddie. I like the occasional Patsy question that allows someone to give it a bit of a colour, a bit of flavour when they're not under pressure. I agree with what you're saying, but some of it's pretty tough to watch. Listeners, I didn't know Maddie was this much of a soft cock either. <laughs> Maddie, what's your peak of the week? My peak of the week is tourism policy based. Uh, tourism is an area that we haven't seen a huge deal of government spend in over the last couple of years. In fact, in our last budget, it was down fifty million dollars in terms of what the government commits to, you know, getting tourists here. And, and we called that on the podcast did, before the mainstream media last week. He was down in Queenstown to talk about getting tourism back on track, right? Now, you remember John Key was like a sicker fan for tourism. And whilst he was Prime Minister, the level of investment the government made, tourism was our largest export. Now, why does that matter? Because a lot of those dollars are coming in from offshore. We will never become a wealthy, prosperous nation if all of our money just continues to swirl around among each other. We do need external sources of revenue streams coming in, and tourism's a fantastic way to do this. Export dollar it is. And at the moment, with primary price, is taking a bit of a hit. It would be nice if tourism kind of turned up to do some of the Totally, and I think a lot of tourism businesses have certainly not felt seen by this government over the last six years. Felt seen, huh? (laughs) (laughs) I make you feel seen every day. It's because we sit opposite each other, okay? And so what he's announced is another Great Walk. Now, if you like me, I freaking love Great Walks. If you like Byron, you don't even know what a Great Walk is. He's announced another Great Walk in Canterbury. He's announced the electrification of a lot of our major bike trails. So again, it's just new offerings for tourists to come here. I love a Great Walk to more Wilsons. But importantly, he has... Completely derailed me. <laughs> That's what he has done. I love more Wilsons. I went there every day in lockdown. Walked on down for my little orange juice for my little minty health. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder what you do for your mental health, and maybe more Wilsons is it. He has also, sorry, listeners. He has also importantly announced the extension of the working holiday visa category. So you used to only be able to come be a, a you know, a just a hot fruit picker Italian fruit picker from the age of up until the age of 30 now you can do it until you're 35 and that Bartender. really matters because that is where the vast bulk of our tourism Waiter. workforce comes from all things you've never done by muscle shucker all things you've never done mm. oh no I've, I did great picking one year at your parents place no 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 no. just our friends friends parents place yep. up, up exactly. in North exactly yeah. exactly and yeah. so that is my peak of the week I'm excited to see the return of New Zealand as a, as a tourist destination like a really aggressively competitive tourist destination because it speaks so much about our place in the world tourism's back on the menu baby Baron what's your pit of the week My pit of the week on the campaign trail is a little bit of a segue from the previous discussion on uh, Chris Hipkins. His energy has been, it's been off. Were you at the Johnsonville Mall? I wasn't. I wish I was though. God, I could just feel it through the little stuff screen that I was watching. Tova O'Brien destroyed him in her excellent podcast. uh, Tova. Tova, yeah, exactly. You know, self-titled Tova, the podcast. We were almost the Byron Terrace show. So (laughs) listeners know. If it was going to be one of us, it wasn't going to be me. It would be the Baddison show. That's how that would work. But Tova hit him with some really hard questions. You know, is your polling quote unquote fucked? No. It's not. No. No. 
Okay. Here's an anonymous quote from you. The campaign's only just starting. Here's an anonymous quote from you from within the Labour caucus. Everyone is depressed. No, I don't accept that either. They think it's over. No, I don't accept that. No. 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 There was no leaning into it. There was no, well, actually, I've got a really energised team and he could name something that was going on. He couldn't. He just kind of said the one word, no, full stop, ask me something else, literally anything else, please, is there a deck of cards that I can choose from here, please, Tova. It was really grim. And Mm. then you start seeing him at uh, events and he's surrounded by Labour Party people and sign waivers. Yes, it's all very orchestrated at the moment. It's very orchestrated. And he's not going and saying, g'day, he's not walking into Mm. a shop and having a discussion, you know, go back to Johnsonville. He did walk into a shop and the guy kind of said hey man look you've kind of fucked things up in the last few months so can we just not Mm. and the journalist picked up on it so he's kind of a bit gun shy he's a bit scared of the public going out there it's like you're the prime minister you've got a parliamentary you've just had a parliamentary majority you should be championing what he's done over the last three years but you can just see his energy is waning about a fortnight ago i saw him three times in the space of a week all in airport terminals or on airplanes and his head is down his head is down low he doesn't want to be recognized where he's going because i just think he's tired i think he's genuinely quite burnt out you look at what the first few months of his prime ministership looked like for him we you know we're not talking about it much but he had to defend basically the sacking of four of his ministers Mm. he's very much alone when there's big policy announcements it's always him and understanding the campaign the way i do that's a lot of stress Where's Carmel? Well, if you've got Where a big policy Carmel? announcement, you will spend it's like it's like having an exam. You will spend four days just on your own briefing yourself on everything there is to know. Basically like cramming for these policy announcements. And where the Nats have like six or seven people that they're rolling out for this, it's just Chris Hipkins. It's just chippy. He's he's in it for you. I don't know about his team, but he he definitely have is. Have you seen his the, the Labour Party TV ad yet? Every Kiwi can dream big for the future. I've got your back. I'm in it for you. It could be mistaken for like a Nurofen Panadol ad where like there's a guy kind of cut out against a white green screened background just turning to the camera going, in it for you. Oh, is is there nothing else? No, there's some like stuff of him like with kids and shit. Sorry, uh, kids and things. (laughs) Kids and things. I'm not swearing anymore on this podcast. (laughs) I am a grown adult with an extensive vocabulary that I have wrote learned. So... I would really like to see a bit more energy from the current Prime Minister and we've got four occasions coming up over the next couple of weeks where we can see Chris v Chris, Red Chris v Blue Chris and a bit of energy from him. So listeners, get your notepads ready. It's the 19th of September, the 27th can you, of September. Do you know who's doing each of these ones? I do actually, can believe it or not. Can you that out? Because some people, myself included, have certain <coughs> uh, broadcasters that we refuse to watch. Oh, <laughs> I'm not going to say who it is. Okay, nice. Just read them out. Okay, so on the 19th, we start. That's next week. We've got TVNZ, TV1 on the 19th of September. That's a Tuesday. But hosted by, like, who's the person? I don't know. Oh, okay. I don't have a clue who's hosting Well, which one is Jack Tame? That one. Because he's TVNZ, yeah, isn't he? so that'll be great. I'd, I'd highly recommend that. Ah, so you just want to watch Jack. Watch anyway, uh, 27th, News Hub. October the 3rd is the exciting one. It's the press leaders debate where it's up in front of a live audience and it's basically like heckle central. And it's also the only one that's hosted in the South Island. And the final debate... It's terrible timing. It's eh? on the twelfth. It's two days yeah. before, and also most New Zealanders uh, vote in advance. Seventy percent of all New Zealanders will actually vote ahead of October fourteenth. Vote this in year. advance. So yeah. So the prime minister's got a uh, couple of bouts coming up versus mm. other Chris. Yeah. He's got to go. Don't watch any of the Hosking ones. That guy's a total, 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 
I don't swear on this podcast. Fair anymore. enough, you don't swear on this podcast. Okay, moving on to my uh, pit of the week, actually still campaign related, very campaign related, and that is ACT coming out to say that they will likely only go into confidence and supply with the National Party. The reason that this is my pit of the week, it's for me, it's just really poor campaign and kind of like political management from Luxon. Now, I think maybe Seymour's reaching the stage where he's just sick and tired of any time Luxon is asked about one of Axe's policies, him just completely batting it away and he's dismissing sick of it. it. He's sick of seeing it. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to provide context for that because it's really funny. One time Byron and I were at a debate, this is like three years ago now, and it was a Wellington Central debate and they asked, are there any questions from the crowd? And Byron puts his hand up and he asks in front of like a packed, like 600 people, he goes, what are you going to do about homelessness in this city because I'm sick of seeing it? <laughs> I am sick of these people going without help. That's what I was. But that's not how the question came across, Mm. and I still defend you to this day on that. Anyway, ACT does have some good policy promises, and whenever Luxon is asked about what the potential coalition could look like, what's he going to concede on, who's going to be a minister, who's not, he just bats it away, and he just says, I'm only focused on the National Party party vote, I'm only focused on my political campaign, which I totally get, and that's absolutely the right answer. But he actually does need to be having those conversations behind the bike sheds with David Seymour as well, Mm. because David Seymour has come out and said he will not work with Winston Peters. Chris Luxon has come out and not ruled out working with Winston Peters. The reason that it's my pit is I, I think it runs the risk of distracting from both parties because a lot of New Zealanders don't understand what a confidence and supply agreement is and consequently it allows Labour the opportunity to be like, oh it's going to be a coalition of chaos, confidence and supply, that means they have to go to each other every single time they want to negotiate on something. Well Labour, Labour can talk after their three-headed dragon that they had over yeah. in their first term, right? Well, and that wasn't even a confidence and supply, that was a coalition agreement. Fun fact, Labour are currently in a confidence and supply agreement with the Greens but because they have that because they have supply yeah. themselves. They they are their majority. So confidence is you will not have a vote of no confidence against the government. In other words, you will support the government. And supply means simply offering votes in the House. Yeah. It's quite simple. But it is frustrating to have to work through because every time you've got and have got a major piece of legislation, you know, think about having to pass the budget, you have to ensure that your confidence and supply partner agrees with it. Now, these can be really, really messy. I look at Canada in 2011, their confidence and supply agreement broke down within the first year of government and that meant they had to go back to the polls. They had to have another election. Theresa May tried to make it work in the UK in 2017. Oh, with the Lib Dems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it didn't break down, but it was ugly. So well, She lost a lot of MPs to the Lib Dems. Yes, she did. That was a very bizarre kind of situation. Strange situation. So that's it for me. And, and and what we know from kind of some of these like hearty political concepts is if people don't understand them, they just walk away from them. And what's really sad is um, we're actually seeing something quite similar at the moment in Australia with the voice referendum, which takes place on the same day as our election. Let's actually talk about that next week at, at more length. But again, because it's one of those kind of tough constitutional political concepts, the opposition campaign to the voice, which is basically giving an Indigenous voice in Parliament, is running a campaign that basically just says, if you don't know, vote no. It's a pretty easy campaign to run. Yeah, it is. Just on that last point, though, disengaged voters don't vote, and that's not something that's good for democracy. And everyone on this podcast knows I love democracy and we need to look after it. So, Maddie, new segment, what on earth is your policy ode de week? Policy ode de week? For me, is the National Party providing bonuses to GPs who reach their immunisation targets? Oh, nice. Yeah, great, eh? Yeah, well, it's going back to the old uh, better public services when you actually put targets on the public sector. 
to do stuff. And People should put targets on us here at Iron Duke. I think we've got lots of crosshairs on us. <laughs> I think we'd be unstoppable. Yeah. Byron, policy of the week. Policy of the week is uh, taking councils out of the consenting process. This is an act party policy that says if the builder proposes a plan, that can get private sector building insurance, you don't need council consent. Wow. Hey, and that is like, that is Act Party 101. It that is. is letting the market decide well, at its finest. You know, a lot of people... Uh, <laughs> a ca- lot of people. A lot of people out there, they ask me these things, they think I'm crazy. We it's live in like, a society. hold on, how did we have leaky homes? <laughs> it was the councils. They consented. They consented. So they're liable. James Hardy. You Hardy know? board. Exactly. And mm. <laughs> Hardy board, the f- yeah, how do we get leaky homes? We got leaky homes by councils consenting stuff that couldn't happen. It didn't reduce the risk. In fact, it was a systemised risk across the country. So the idea is that you place that risk on the private sector and over a very short period of time, they weed the bad eggs out. And because they, they're the people that have to front up and pay for it if it Correct. goes tits up. Correct. Cause at tits, the, at not the, a swear word. Yeah, nice. Because uh, at the moment, it's not the builder who's liable, it's the council. All right, Maddie, hit me. Hold on, not. you start. David Seymour calling Grant Robertson a gangster. Yeah, hot. I think he's pretty G. The Green Party saying they will have an Oceans Commission up and running in the first 100 days. Yeah, not. It's more bureaucracy. What's it going to do? What the hell is an Oceans Commission? Regulate under the sea. Under the sea. Mm, I did watch The Little Mermaid over the weekend. Can you believe? Yeah. No, I don't believe that at all. Yeah, I did. Are yeah, you all good? Uh, well, Laurel said let's watch it. So, oh, yeah. goodness. Shout out to Laurel. Laurel is Byron's significant other. I did not watch anything with my significant other over the weekend, in case you're wondering. Um, Lux and dressed as a pirate. See, that's, that's hot, 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 hot. Themed as hot, well. absolutely hot. And last one from me, AB's first ever loss. Yeah, hot. In 32 Manchester pool play. I honestly couldn't care less about you, that broadcast. Yeah, no. I, over here at womanofthepeople.com, do care. Mm, Black Caps uh, had some good wins as well. All right, okay. Maddie, hot or not? An extra 20 billion from all the foreigners coming to buy our houses. Hot. Sure. Excise duty on vapes. Oh, 1,000%. I actually hate people that vape. Yeah, cool. <laughs> me too. Hate's not a swear word. Uh, me too. Uh, okay, Do you? Cool. <laughs> um, yeah, the old little mini hells. So. All right. Um, last one from me. Topical, politically appointed public service chief executives. Um, Ooh, she's thinking. Not. Nice, nice. Political service should always be neutral. Nice. But that being said, what we don't talk about enough is how many of the like commissioner types, you know, the human rights commissioner, the reserve bank governor. Go- oi, oi, governor. <laughs> those people are quite political people. They are. You know who else are really political people? The listeners of this podcast. Nice. So keep up the good work. And until then, we'll, we'll see, see you next week. week.